So, Berto, I want to talk about evolutionary psychology, and you and I often fight about it, so I imagine we'll fight about it today. What do you say? No! This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am chair of the Couple and Family Therapy Program at Antioch University, Seattle, and I'm also a licensed therapist. My name is Humberto Castaneda. I am an amateur um, evolutionarily psychologistic uh, denier-denier. Yeah. Actually, this episode is about feminism. I was wrong. We're not going to talk about. Ah, we're, not gonna, we're not going to talk about evolution. You got me psychology. all riled up. Yeah, it's about it's about feminism and evolutionary psychology to some extent. But anyway, so someone Which wrote, we also debate. Yeah, someone <laughs> wrote in and said evolutionary psychology is kind of a contentious subject among MGTOW. Do you know these people? It's they're they're men going their own way. Is what, is what they're called. I had not heard the acronym, but okay. M-G-T-O-W, men going their own way. It's it's a okay. it's a internet men's movement of some sort. Okay. The theory within men going their own way is that gynocentrism, or women-centric yeah. views, is derived from observations related to sexual dimorphism and that reasoning is akin to evolutionary psychology, and I know that makes some of us a little uneasy. I also want to say I'm sorry you're getting hate mail from people identifying as anti-feminists and men's rights activists. I'm not an anti-feminist or a men's, right act- activist, men's rights activist, but I would ask that you consider that many of the men who are in the manosphere, that's another word. He's using a lot of terminology. The, man, <laughs> the manosphere, manosphere is the internet man thing, I guess. So many of the men who are in the manosphere are still angry, uh, and oh, sorry, many of the men in the manosphere that are still angry are very likely processing grief. Most men find their way to the manosphere after some horrible event in their life related to gender. I know you are concerned about the welfare and well-being of men, and that's why I listen to your podcast. And I know it's asking a lot to have compassion for people who are lashing out at you, but just putting it out there. What do you think, Berto? So if this is what they're getting at, I'd certainly have some um, some soft spots in my heart for this argument. Uh, I believe, and I could be very wrong, but I believe that um, it, there there's a group of men for, for whom it is hard to um, be sexual with women. And they... For any number of reasons, they are not good looking enough. They they don't feel good enough about themselves. They don't have the right amount of charisma, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever the case may be, they do not get quote unquote lucky. And when they've tried, they've been used and abused. They you know, and they they feel well. I'm such a nice guy. All these kind of things, right? And I can understand that contingent becoming very frustrated and feeling like you know, what do they have to do? And they seem to have to be perfect men and all these things. So I could totally understand, especially if they've been cheated on or, or broken up with and stuff, that they would be angry and hurt. And they would maybe turn towards uh, the dark side of that equation, which would be like, yeah, women do suck and all these things. I, you know, and there's a gradient there. So if that's what this, if that's what this is alluding to, I could certainly uh, feel like we should have a conversation about, yeah, well, what, what are the triggers for, for someone to, to say that they are upset at women or that all women are this or all the women are that? And many of those might be 
people that are hurting or they have, may have had bad experiences with women or, or whatever. Absolutely. I completely agree. Many of the men on the internet who rail against me and other feminists are likely suffering from grief. I am currently writing a book on grief and absolutely understand that anger is a potential symptom or a, or a stage or not a stage. God, forget I said stage because I've written like half of my book is about trying to get rid of the stage <laughs> idea of grief, but uh, a result of grief, of a, a result of pain. When you're in pain, you, you get angry sometimes. So is, I, is your book called Good Grief? Yeah. Uh, maybe I should call it. Actually, that's not a bad idea. There's probably already a book called that, actually. My, my current title is terrible. It's Grief, A Clinician's Guide. But, oh, you know. it's, it's, it sounds intelligent. You're right, <laughs> but it's not fun. Anyway, yeah. I agree. But that does not justify their behavior. There are many ways to grieve, and abuse is never, I repeat, never acceptable. If someone is grieving and that person is hurting, I encourage them to reach out for support. Maybe from a men's group, maybe from the manosphere. But if someone engages in hate speech or if someone joins a group that engages in misogyny, then that's unfair to other people, and I feel compelled to react against that unfairness. C certainly, I have compassion for someone who's in pain, but I'm not going to react well when someone attacks me because I say that I'm a feminist or brings up misogynistic ideas that they're spewing out and that they've absorbed from the manosphere. I'm not going to just sit back and let that happen. Right. I'm, I'm going to react against it. And if it's hurtful to me, I'm going to say that fucking hurts. Shut the fuck up. So compassion is, I have for everyone. I, I, I honestly do. When I have compassion for Donald Trump, I have compassion for, for everybody. I, you know, you know me, Bertel. I will defend. I will defend people that no one defends. You right. know that about right. me. I, I piss a lot of people off by defending people that no one else defends. Right. Partially, that's that's because I have compassion for the humanness of everybody, not intellectually, but actually in my heart. And at the same time, if you're abusive, I'm going to react against that, especially if you're being abusive to an oppressed group like women. If you're going to do that, you're going to contend with me and I'm going to say something because right. that's fucking bullshit. So I get it. Some men feel they were treated badly by women. Like I said, I feel compassion for them and I encourage them to get support. They deserve support. They deserve to heal. But it, I do not abide sexism or any kind of mean behavior. Uh, for example, if, if I was unfairly fired by an African-American boss does that justify me engaging in racist behavior against African-Americans? Nope. No. And if I was to do that, should people attack me for being racist? Yes. And not physically, but yes. Well, whatever, <laughs> whatever you know, is fair as a, as a, as a reaction. Yeah. So when men in the manosphere and on the internet attack me or women, I'm going to react against that and I'm not going to tiptoe around it because it's bullshit. It's not right. Yeah, I, I think I, I totally agree. I think what what one of the problems that really goes unaddressed, untalked about, everything, is we have this myth. Like we we think we have a society that's like well organized and structured, so that everyone has a fair shot at life. And because we're in this modern world, and everyone's got like a TV and a bathroom, it feels like yeah, I guess that's kind of true. But here's the fact. 
who learns what it's going to be like to be an adult in the world, especially like an adult in relationships, an adult in sexuality. No one really learns these things. If you took a sex ed class, it was all about the mechanics, oh, right? Believe and, me, believe me. <laughs> I've been forced by school districts to teach these yeah. curriculums. Right. And yeah, it's, right. It, well, it's actually not even the mechanics. They don't even teach that. They teach the diseases. The diseases, right. And so, so what are you to do? So you're, you're, you're an awkward teenager, male or female. You're an awkward teenager. You're growing up and everything you see around you, media and everything, it's this promise of like, look, at some point you, you know, the hero of the story becomes cool and gets like the hottest of the opposite sex or same sex, whatever it may be, uh, that you want, right? Uh, and so then you're growing up with this myth and you're like, well, I don't know what I have to do, but that's certainly going to be my story because I'm the hero of my story. And then what starts happening is all of a sudden you start getting all these dissolutions because like, oh man, my, my prom didn't go so I didn't go to prom or well, I got dumped at prom or whatever. And then I'm in college and I don't know how to talk to anyone. And Joey, my, my buddy's got this great looking girlfriend and I can't get a girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever it is. And now pretty soon... I'm fairly upset at the world and dissolution, and no one ever gave me any tools to deal with any of this. So to your point, now what do I do with that? Well, I was told a lot of rules that I should not be breaking. That's for sure. But I wish that And could, I was also yeah. told that women are lesser than men oh, in, yeah. in a lot right. of ways. Right, right. And, and I was also told that and shown that women are man's possessions. And so how dare women not give themselves to me i think that's even and, and that's i think that's that even darker segment of this whole thing dark and common yeah yeah <laughs> common. I, I i've seen the the gray part of that which is the um uh how would i say it it's not so much that women are uh are it's owed to me but it's more like i'm giving up on women because i don't seem to be able to do anything with them men going their own way that that's yeah. the, the the premise of that. Yeah. Fine, you know, if that's your choice and that's or phase in life, whatever. So what fine. I want to do is I want to have like this but, aggressive but I, conversation with society that's simultaneously stop those horrible behaviors and and things you say and do towards these oppressed groups, and what the hell are we going to do to like educate ourselves better right. and train ourselves better? Oh yeah, uh, to your point. Sex ed, perhaps the only conversation that we have uh, explicitly about relationships is about diseases and about yeah. how horrible relationships can be. We should be talking half, in my view, in schools about relationships, self-esteem. Right. What do you do when you get rejected five times by your, the girls that you fall in love with? What do you do with these feelings? How do you ask for support? How do you cry? How do you when when you're when you're a hot girl and ten guys are hitting on you? How do you reject them nicely? Yeah. How do you tell them early that you're not interested? There are so many things that can be helped that we don't even touch because we're backward idiots that spend thirteen years teaching kids about math. You know, you and me, Berto, we love math. You were a math major in college. I wanted to be a math major <laughs> major in college. I decided not to be, but I was close. Yeah. I don't think we should be 
disproportionately teaching math right. up here and relationships almost nothing. Yeah, seriously. Oh, and, and by the way, what do you do on a daily basis? Math? Right. <laughs> or relationships. <laughs> so here's part of this. I, you were saying like how, how to react when you get rejected four times. Okay. One of the things that's so uncomfortable and never gets discussed or addressed is you are not a beautiful snowflake. Yeah. And, and the problem is, of course, we don't want to discourage people from having self-esteem and things like this. And I totally get it. Yeah. So how do you balance that with the problem is that everyone kind of gets this little myth in their head that it's like, well, I'm like the special little one and I'll be the hero of my story. Well, and the, 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 the thing is, yes, you're right. And the, the answer to that is developmentally appropriate narcissism is the, in, an understanding how to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. As we age, every year we realize how insignificant we are. Right. I'm 45 right now. When I'm 90, I'll I'll realize I'm even less significant than I than I feel like I am now. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, I, I I need to take a picture. Hold on. Why? Because the way you're uh, do exactly how you were. Put the mic right in front of your face. Yeah. Okay, what you look doing? you look like a doggy because you have the ears right here and, <laughs> and the, the nose, nose of the, the microphone. Nose, yeah. yeah, that's good pod. That's good pod right there. Okay, <laughs> let me go on with the. Um... <laughs> I just showed him the picture. You got to post that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so all right, another email from another person uh, to me uh, in response to the, <clears throat> to the Elliot Roger episode. There's a lot of manosphere people that will respond via the Elliot Roger episode yeah. because to some extent Elliot Roger is at least a person of interest to the manosphere but for many he's like a role model in some ways in the not necessarily in the murders but in the way that he talked about things He's almost like a martyr to some of these people, which is just a scary thing. It is about. because imagine if, imagine if his psychology hadn't been like psychopathic or whatever it was, and instead, same kind of like ability to speak in this weird charismatic way, but actually had been like, you know, let's let's grow from this, you know, and like yeah. applied it for good. Like, yeah. Let me start a support group for yeah. men yeah. to talk about how we feel. Okay. Yeah. So this is the per- person drew uh, on the internet wrote. Okay. So I must share this. I respect you as a professional. And I like to think that I know a little bit about psychology because of my own education, but I do not understand why you are so focused on feminism. Why in many of your podcasts, do you call yourself a feminist? And why does that matter? What purpose does that pose? By, but, but with that aside, I enjoy most of your podcasts. What do you think about that, Berto? Um, I can understand. I, again, I can relate to... I, I, have been, I have been in my own personal journey for years where at different times I get rubbed the wrong way by labels like that. Like, oh, you're a feminist? Well, what does that even mean? Or uh, you are... Like, here's a simple example. And, and these are things that I've had to, like, grow and expand my, my thinking on. Um, just recently, there was this, the, the gay pride uh, events. Yeah. And there were folks asking, well, why not straight pride? You know, where's straight pride? <laughs> and then there were legitimate questions all over the board. And, and it takes, it, but, it, but the thing is that assuming that it's an obvious connection for people that are not in those minority groups is a mistake. Yeah. Because if you are not in that minority group, you don't have the frame of reference of why you would even need a special thing. Right. 
you're like, well, why do you need? I'm straight. I don't have a day. Right. And so it, it, it doesn't connect for people. Yeah. And I think it's the same with right. white and men and everything. Yeah, right. So if you're a man and you're like, why is there a thing called feminism? And why is there all this talk about liberating women or like female oppression? Right. I, I totally get I mean, I've, I, as a man, I didn't come out of the womb a feminist. <laughs> yeah. I, there was a transition time when I became a feminist. And I, I remember the thoughts I had before this. And I, I had those same thoughts. Yeah. You know, why, why do people hate us so much? And why am I being blamed for things yeah. that other men are doing when I've never done those things? Right. I, I remember having all those thoughts. I've graduated to a whole other level, I think. And I see the light and have seen various lights over the years. And so, so you know, I, I get it. But at the same time, I don't know. I, but they I, don't see it as graduation or light. They see it as a nuisance, as an additional tax on just not thinking about it. You know what right, I mean? Right. Well, the thing is that I often think about whenever people, because I get criticized near, probably every day about my talk about feminism. And it's not like I'm screaming about feminism all the time. It's just like, I'll, t I'll talk about it academically, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm not like, I don't know. I j it's just, it's, I can't imagine like what Lindy West gets all the time. I mean, she talks about how she just gets, anyway. The, the problem is, is that the word feminism has lost its meaning in our society. There are many definitions, even within the academic community, about what feminism exactly means. Mm -hmm. But to many within the manosphere, in my estimation, feminism to them means something very different than it means to me. It, it, it does not mean, for instance, the following things, which I think in the manosphere they think feminism means. It, feminism does not mean that men are evil. It's not, the, it's not the propagation of the notion that men are evil. It also does not mean that men should be subservient to women, which is what a lot of people in the manosphere will say. It's like, oh, they're just trying to make us subservient. It's like, no, that's not what feminism is. If someone's trying to make men subservient, I don't know what to call that, but that's not feminism. Um, it's also not a, a propagation of the notion that women are better than men. It's not that. Basically... People in the manosphere or anti-feminists will create a, a, a straw man or a straw woman, if you will, a, a fake representation of what a feminist is, and then they'll attack it when I'm always thinking like, you don't know what a feminist is. If you're upset at a woman who is treating men unfairly, then fine with me. You know, and if they're calling themselves a feminist, you know, if some woman calling herself a feminist comes up to you and punches you in the face and says, I'm doing this because I'm a feminist, I, as a as a feminist myself, I don't say, yeah, you go, girl. I say that that woman who's calling herself a feminist did, did something terribly wrong to a man. Yeah. And that's wrong. Yeah. And, and if and, you know, to take it down a few notches, it, if she calls you names or if she is mean to you or not nice to you uh, for no reason then that's not cool. Or, or if she's biased at work against you because you're a male and any right. of those things that, yeah, totally. Right. That's not fair. That's not what feminism is. Now, to some people, I have to admit, that is what feminism is. Yeah. They will label themselves a feminist and they will use that as yeah. an excuse. And this is the problem with words, right? The words can mean a lot of different things. Right, right. But... Feminism at its core is about equality. It's about equality with the understanding 
that women in general are treated less equal than men. That's why it's called feminism. That's why we don't call it equality. And there, there are equality movements, you know, yeah. human rights uh, movements. But the reason why in gender we use the word feminism, because in our society to this day, empirically proven, by the way, yeah. that women are treated lesser, they're paid less, their opinions are considered less important, they're, they're considered less intelligent, they're considered somehow... You know, if, if they assert their leadership, they're bitches, whereas men do it, then they're strong. You know, there's a lot. It's just across the board. You name it. There's just so many different personality traits and so many different experiences in our society that are related to gender. And, and, and most of them are disadvantages for women. This is not to say that there aren't disadvantages for men. This is also not to say that men are not also oppressed because they are. Men are made to feel like they need to be the breadwinners or else. They need to be tough or else. They need to be physically strong or else. They need yep. to take charge or else. They need to never have emotion. They never they need to never cry. They need you know, this is also oppressive to men. That's men right. are also treated like shit. But women are treated more like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and are there advantages to being a woman? Yes. Women are more allowed to cry than women than men are. As a man, I'm jealous of that. I, I wish I could be a woman so that I could get away with with more emotional expression without people judging me. Women but, women are more allowed to have lesbian relationships than men are. <laughs> so you know, it's it's not as if there aren't unfairnesses against men. That is not to say that there aren't more <laughs> unfairnesses right. for women especially when you take into context the entire world and, and the history even of our own society. Yeah. So, Drew, on YouTube, that's why I talk about feminism a lot, because I consider it my responsibility to fight for equality for everyone. Women are treated unfairly in our culture, you know, along with non-white people are treated unfairly, uneducated people, short people, disabled people, unintelligent people, people with a southern accent, people who don't wear the right clothes, Poor people, people who are too young, people who are too too old, all of these groups are generally treated worse than other groups, and I consider it my responsibility to do what I can to reduce that suffering. That's why I call myself a feminist. That's so. If if you're cool with that, which I'm guessing you are, if you have half a heart, then you can also call yourself a feminist. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, part of this is also triaging our problems in society. Uh, you know, the whole issue with. Uh, why is it black lives matter? Why not all lives matter? It's like, well, of course all lives matter, but they're trying, that community's trying to triage around one specific bleeding sore. Yeah. And if you, if you can't recognize that there's a problem there, well, that's your problem. But, but, and, and so I I always find that if humans had a better sense of the long term, we wouldn't have so many of these problems, right? Because you could well, see like, well, we don't have to suffer in this way for 600 years. <laughs> I think that's part of it, but I think it's also a product that with, especially today, I think there's this, there's this hashtag culture. I know I'm sounding like an old person, yeah. but it's like you, you say black lives matter. Well, does that really encompass like the message you're trying to get across? It's a label, sure. but it, it does, in my view, does not describe what 
we're trying to say. Yeah, but and, it, and, and yeah. so it needs to be followed up, you know. Sure. And, and 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 people need and white people need to listen. If you have a problem with, if you're like, hey, what about all lives matter? Well. It's possible that you're not really getting the point. <laughs> well, but I think it's the same with feminism. That that's my thing. Is like feminism is a word. All, all Black Lives Matter is a couple words, but it's it's a label, right? And you can have the same problem with all these labels, right? Because people say like, well, of course I'm not a feminist. I don't want men to die. It's like right. what? Yeah, you're right. of course I'm not. Black Lives Matter. I don't think blacks should rule the world and the whites should be killed. Right? What? Yeah, it's like, and those are the extremes you might run into, and and I'm almost not exaggerating. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's yeah. So in in my view, what our society needs to focus on more is instead of labels, we need to talk about overall concepts and contexts that people are in. Yeah. I just recently did an episode on the psychology of O.J. Simpson, and after watching the documentary, the, have you seen the ESPN documentary? I have documentary? not. It is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It is amazing. It's not just about OJ Simpson. It's about our society. And one of the things that I finally realized was why the jury acquitted OJ Simpson so easily. You know, they, they only deliberated for like a couple hours after a year long of evidence and testimony and everything. And most people, even today consider those 12 jurors to be idiots. It's like, Oh, they're a bunch of biased black people that Mm -hmm. just, you know, couldn't see the forest through the trees or just refused to, or, and, and many people think that they were just doing it as retribution, you know, and, see, and, I, and some of them were doing it for, for retribution. I watched the whole trial. So I, and I was addicted and traumatized by it. So I know that it was a complete failure on the prosecution's part, not the jury's. <laughs> right. Well, so the prosecution had some problems. The defense was, was very good, very good about chipping away yeah. at each, you know, the DNA evidence, the gloves, yeah. da, da, da. but, but even when you take into consideration th- that the prosecution didn't do that good of a job, there was such a mountain of evidence and everyone agrees now that he yeah. should have been, you know, found guilty, but even, even the lawyer Shapiro. Oh really? Yeah. He gave an interview in on CNN or one of those and the close, you know, of course he didn't say, Oh no, he's guilty. Of course not. It's just that the closing statements that he made during the interview were like, listen, I feel that legal justice was done. Now, as far as moral justice, that's something I haven't discussed even with my wife. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and and all the experts agree, all the, you know, respectable experts agree that he did it. You know, yeah. even his close friends are now coming forward and saying, yeah, he did it. Or I think he did it. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the issue that I learned and... And as I watched the ESPN documentary, I could feel my brain like understanding the what the the social and cultural context of that jury, of those jurors, was a history of the Black Lives Matter issue uh, at at the time was was so specific to yeah. L- and L A was so specific. And these court battles with the Rodney King, and then there's this other case with this 17-year-old girl who got shot, and the person who shot her didn't serve any time or something. And you just had this group of people who were disenfranchised with no way, and they, you know, and they had tried all these other ways of like fighting back and like saying, hey, the cops are not treating us fairly, and hey, the cops are planting evidence. We know that they're doing that. And no one is listening to us. And oh my God, we have this videotape of them beating Rodney King over several minutes. Finally, we're going to have justice because we have it on videotape. Surely 
society is going to is going to do something now, and then they didn't, and then riots happened, right? Right. And then, and the riots didn't solve anything. That just caused perhaps even more racism and more police brutality. And then you are suddenly, you're on a jury where this black man is being framed by white cops, and you have this, you know, one of the most racist, known racist cops, Mark Furman, of all time. <laughs> and he's even recorded talking about how oh, he yeah. would frame black people and you know and how horrible he would treat people and when you consider the the possibility that Mark Furman and others could have planted the evidence then the whole case just goes out the window yep and and you have an opportunity for the first time in your life to stand up for your community and your people and your family and say no more you i have the power to draw the line here and and you've we've tried to establish that line legally before and you kept just stepping over that line just never giving us justice i now and i have a good excuse look at the prosecution they screwed up look at the defense they poked holes I'm going to draw this line happily, and it, and I'm only going to take two hours of deliberation to think about it. Right. So in that context, when you watch a documentary, when you see it through a particular lens, you get a very clear picture of what that was for those people. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's too bad that they, they couldn't see that doing the right thing should always trump those things, but... Well, so, well, so it's interesting you say that. What is the right thing? Now, in the job of a jury, they're supposed to just look at the evidence and not think about the cultural context, right? Yeah. But... Oh, no, no. Yeah, actually, no. And that's why I was saying the prosecution screwed up. And actually, you're right. I, I forgot that that was my point, is that I actually believe that if they had deliberated for long enough, they might have concluded still that they can't convict because you have to have no reasonable doubt. And it was kind of impossible not to have some reasonable doubt based on all the screw-ups. And the cultural context. But I, that's the part where I wish we would be perfect robots and ignore those parts. <laughs> well, if we are perfect robots, there wouldn't be I know, I the know. abuses. I understand. So in other words, it's, it's impossible to expect that specific peer group to not be influenced, and that's a flaw, perhaps, in our in our justice system, or a good thing. Honestly, I mean, it's it's you know we can debate that whole thing over and over again. But for the first time, upon watching the ESPN after you know and really thinking about it, I actually thought that it it was a good thing that the jury actually sided the way that they did. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's yeah. obviously wrong. Uh, it's obviously. Uh, if I was on the jury, I'm guessing I would have been like, uh, he's guilty because yeah. there's so much blood everywhere and he has the yeah. shoes and the glove but, and the but, hat. You know, but DNA evidence seemed like voodoo at the time. Yeah, but the the shoe, I mean, the shoe would be enough to convict anyone. Didn't he live there? <laughs> no, he didn't live there. He killed... Well, he, he would come by every now and then. Yeah, at that moment. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, here's what I'll say, though. Just like I would not excuse a group of white men letting go Mark Furman after a brutal crime because their cultural bias, blah, 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 I certainly would not forgive them if the only reason for... But, but that's different. I, white people are privileged. I, I, I just don't... I don't want to give any legal excuses because of your cultural context. Well... I only want to say that if 
if they concluded based on the on the confusing evidence and seed of doubt that they can't convict him, absolutely. What they shouldn't do is say, well, it was a white woman, so we better convict. Like, they should definitely not do that. Well, let me ask right? you this. Let's say there's a way that you could lie. Let's say that, um, well, what's what's something you're passionate about? Music. Know, in our system? Well, something okay. legally like... Oh, some, legally. Some okay. Kind of pro- uh, uh, well, like Donald, let's say, you don't like Donald Trump, right? But, I, I definitely do not like Donald Trump. Okay, so, and how worried are you about Donald Trump becoming president? On a scale from I, one to ten. I, it's about a seven. Okay, so let's say there was, you're a lawyer, and there's some legal trick you could play that, you know, is 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 not illegal, but it's it's definitely spinning the situation in your favor. Would you use that tool to uh, potentially influence the election. Yeah, as a lawyer or a political activist, I would certainly use legal tools at my disposal, well, even if they were a little questionable. Okay, so you're not actually going out and, and knocking on doors and trying to convince people not to vote for Trump. You're not doing the regular right. political game. You're, you're using a not illegal... Uh, thing to try to change society for what you believe to be the better. Yeah, like maybe running ads that are somewhat exag- or ex- exaggerate a lot about what wrong things he's done. Right, sure. and, and give it to a certain group of people that you know will fall for yes. it or something like that. Well, that in my mind is philosophically the same thing that this jury might have done. I they They interviewed some of the jurors on the documentary and they basically kind of said this, that they were drawing a line not only just for this case, but for the police force in L.A. They were they had that in their head that this like someone's got to put a stop to this police force. It's not just this case. And yeah. I and I and I don't have and I'm really worried about my my culture and my people. I'm really worried about my community. I'm really worried about the cops, what they're going to do in the future. And so I'm going to spin this for my benefit, for the benefit of my community. Yeah, granted, but if, if, if O.J. had murdered a family of six black, including black children, would it have been the same? Uh, well, that's a good question. I don't know. And, and so that's why I, I wouldn't want them to use that rationale in a, in a jury. That's because you're not in their culture. You don't I exist. I don't want any culture, including my own, I wouldn't want a group of me and my other fellow Hispanics to, if I were in a jury of all Hispanics and we were trying Pablo Escobar, hi, I would, I would definitely not be looking at it like, well, he's one of us. Absolutely not. Never would I do that. Well, that's a little different. It's I mean, not. Escobar. Because, no, it's not because, look, I have a legitimate complaint against all of the United States people and government saying that they, because of their, their laws around drugs, they single-handedly created this entire system of oppression and terrible death and violence in my country, yeah. in Colombia. That still doesn't excuse me letting a criminal off the hook just because he's of my race. Right. I, I do not see how that's analogous to the situation. Well, because... What I'm talking about is you have a community of people... Colombians. Who, who are being oppressed by, by another group uh, of people. United States. That's, that's not, it's not the same thing. It is, because they would be prosecuting Pablo Escobar. Yeah. And we would be deciding whether or not to convict. 
But do you like Pablo Escobar? No, he's horrible. Do you like what they did to your community growing up? No, it's terrible. Okay, so it's not the same. Well, no, so, but but I mean, but but oh, oh, just because OJ killed a white woman, but that's why I was saying, what if he had killed a, a family of black people? But the the issue is, it's I see how it could be because you realize a lot of Colombians loved Pablo Escobar. I know, but the the issue is, you know, there's a Venn diagram and it's sort of overlapped, but it's different in that if you are in a just you know, in a nutshell, I'll just repeat it, you know. You're in a society, and there's the police force is just for decades treating your people badly, and you try to talk about it. You t- ask the cops nicely. You try to uh, abide by the law. You try to uh, enact legislation. You, uh, when a case comes up, you t- speak out about it and say yes. Those four cops who beat Rodney King need to face justice. I'm going to hold a picket. I'm going to talk about it in church. I'm going to write a column. I'm going to become a lawyer, and I'm going to fight it. And nothing works. It just keeps happening. And then suddenly you're in the driver's seat as a juror in a situation where you're kind of on the fence. Like, well, he might have done it, but there's a lot of holes in the thing, and I'm also going to utilize this moment as a time where I can finally draw a line where no other legal or social avenue has worked before. I'm just saying, if I were in their shoes, I might have done the same thing. Okay. Even if in the back of my mind I was thinking he might have done it. And I'm saying I would have only convict, or I I would have only voted to not convict if I had reasonable doubt. That's the only time in any cultural context for and, me and, that I would have done that. Well, and so that's the way that you would deci- that, that you would make decisions. And I'm guessing you would think that's a superior way of thinking. I, I, I would say it's, it's, a, it's, a better, it's better for society. Because you haven't necessarily been in a situation where that was similar to what these black people... No, it's, it's, I, I swear to you, it's the opposite. I grew up in a society that was 80% guided by who knows who, what little friendship thing we can give each other. Oh, I'm going to let you off the hook this time because I know your family. And oh, I'm going to go to the store. They're going to charge me extra because they don't know me. And because of that, I am dis- I, I grew up in a, disgusted by that. And so to me, I, I wanted to be like, no, no, I know the law. Why can't we all just follow the law? Yeah. And so that's me. Like, and I'm, right. I'm not saying it's superior. I'm saying that's what I grew up around and I hated it. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to give any advantages to anyone for the wrong reason. No, I get it. I yeah. get it. And, and I'm similar. If, if we all followed the law, then our society would be a better place. Yeah. But when the law is against you and you're being asked by the same system to follow their laws to let yet another black man get convicted by more white people yeah. it you know it's it's going to be hard to do that I, and i understand that it, yeah and i get that i get why it was hard but i really hope that they were also well i said no i don't have to hope i just think that in this case it worked out that i think they could have de- deliberated for 20 hours and there was enough reasonable doubt based on what was presented to them yeah not what we've seen on the outside. Right, right. Well, 
Well, so we went down a weird rabbit hole. That, that <laughs> we originally were going to talk ab- talk about evolutionary psychology, and then I quickly took a left turn into feminism, and then we took a weird <laughs> a weird U turn into OJ Simpson. Well, I guess it's all related: Ra- racism, f- feminism. Well, it is oppressed groups. It, yeah. That's the common thing. All right. If you haven't already, please become a patron of the podcast because. As you know, we don't have that many patrons, and so right now the majority of our listeners, of which there are tens of thousands, are the oppressors at this point. That's right. So if you want to join the cool kids on the uh, the oppressed group side of the fence, <laughs> you can become a patron of the podcast. There, there's some stats, something you know, like tens of thousands of people listen to this podcast every time we right. we post something, and we only have about three hundred, four hundred patrons. So. Yeah. Clearly, there are more of you that have not become patrons. And if you've listened this far, you, you've got to be a fan. So come on. You can do it. Do it for the Gipper. Do it for the Gipper. Do it for the dog that just sniffed your crotch. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us on this journey. If we've touched any raw any, nerves, any raw nerves feel free to email and... Uh, if you're a patron, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely read it. <laughs> I'm sure this one was not controversial at all. <laughs> well, that does it. Thanks for joining us. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it.